Hey, what's going on, Hope Community Online family? So glad you're tuning in today and, and being a part of this. Um, you know, we're continuing on in our series on the Gospel of John today. And as we dive into the passage that we're going to look at, there was a lot of different things that I could have talked about. There's some different parts and things we can nuance, but there was one idea that I was going through the passage and uh, based on a conversation that I had with some people last week, based on just what's going on in the world with uncertainty and, and war and everything else, like there was one idea that, that, that kept coming back um, into my mind, and that was that idea of are we doing anything that matters? Like, am I, does, am what I, am what I am doing with my life, does that matter? Am I doing anything, am I living a life of significance, of any kind of weight, of any kind of, of consequence? Um, you know, I was having a conversation with some, some people last week, great people, I love them, they really are incredible, um, but uh, they, they wouldn't probably consider themselves to be like followers of Jesus, um, and maybe like marginally Christian, uh, but probably more like agnostic or just like, you know, I don't ever think about it. I, it's not on my radar. I don't know. I don't really care. It doesn't affect my life that much. And again, they're just amazing people. And maybe that's some of you that are watching this. Um, you know, if you're exploring, you don't know where you're at with faith and somehow you landed, you know, in front of a screen and, and you're hearing this message, whatever. Awesome. Glad you're here. Uh, but anyway, like great people would just, is in the course of the conversation, you know, we're talking about the things that you talk about. Um, having fun and, and making, making money and a career and where the career is going and, you know, buying, uh, uh, finding a nice house and buying a house and advancing. And just, you know, the things that you talk about when you don't really have anything super significant to talk about. And, and the thought that I kept having during the course of the conversation and I had afterwards was, man, I just want you to know Jesus. Like, I want you to know Jesus so badly, not because not because you need religion, not because like, you know, you need some morals or some garbage like that, but just because like the thought was like, there's so much more to life than the, just this kind of menial stuff. Like there's, there is just more, there's something greater that's out there. There's something better that is offered. There's more to life than just have some fun while you're young, work, buy a house, make some money, have some kids, go on vacation, retire, and then die. Like there, there's, there's gotta be more to life than that. And so like kind of that had me thinking and then just with what is going on in Eastern Europe right now, Russia invading Ukraine, it's like, man, there's, there is like, like the, the, the greatest kind of land invasion and conflict that we've ever seen in my lifetime and many of our lifetimes have just, it's like, and yet as that's going on, some of us are just like, it's, it's like our life doesn't compute with that. It's like, man, like, Am I doing anything that matters in the grand scheme of things? Because we're still arguing about stupid stuff, and I'm concerned about the dumbest things, and just vanity and pleasure. It's like, it just made me ask a lot of questions, like cause myself to ask these questions of myself and ask my quest these questions of all of us of like, are we living lives that matter? Are we doing anything of significance, of consequence, or is it like my nice little life and my comfort and my family and my house and my career and the question is, am I big enough for that? Am I a big enough thing to order my life around? You know, I think of it in terms of like a solar system and the gravitational pull of a solar system. You know, like everything in our, in our solar system, like we revolve around the sun, right? Like, am I a big enough thing to be the sun in my own little solar system? Like, is, is everything, am I big enough to have everything revolving around me for my life to just be about me? What am I doing that matters? So as we dive into John's gospel today, um, we're going to be introduced to someone that did some things that really mattered. Someone who um, I think gives us an example of a life to, like, 
a life of significance, a life well-lived, a life that matters. And so uh, his name is John the Baptist. Maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. We're going we're gonna to discover a little bit about him today. And actually, he's not just found in John's gospel. Uh, he's found in all four of the gospels. They all talk about John the Baptist because he's this really, really um, important figure um, to the first century Jewish people what they were expecting, how they saw the world. There was this idea of, of the present age where sin and death and Satan are having uh, their way, but then there would be the age to come where God would show up and he would restore and he would redeem and he would set things right. He would send his Messiah. But the first sign of that new age coming was that someone would come, someone who we kind of discover ends up being John the Baptist, who would be this messenger, who would be preparing the way, who would be preparing the people, who would be declaring a message um, that someone is coming, someone like Elijah. Uh, in fact, like in the, the Old Testament book of Malachi, it's the last book in the Old Testament, this minor prophet, uh, and it's talked about, Malachi 3, uh, verse 1, he says, I will send my messenger who will prepare people, uh, who will prepare the way before me. And then Malachi 4, 5, and 6, he says, I'm going to uh, send the prophet Elijah before uh, the day of the Lord. And literally, that is the last thing that you read in the Old Testament uh, before it just ends. It just ends on that note of like, we're hoping something happens. We're hoping things get better. We're hoping God will show up and do something. And the first sign that he is, is someone like Elijah will come and prepare the way. And boom, Old Testament is done. And there's 400 years of silence before we get to what we now call the New Testament. And one of the first things, when you open up the New Testament, you start to read the Gospels right away. One of the first people that you're introduced to in all four of the Gospels is John the Baptist. And you realize, oh, wait a minute. They're presenting John as that Elijah figure, as this one who is the continuation of the story, as one who is kind of um, preparing things and getting things ready for what God is going to do, that the new age is breaking in. And so John is this major person. But before we jump into what John the disciple says about John the Baptist, um, I want to start with something that Jesus says about John the Baptist. And it's found, this, is, this passage is found in both Matthew and Luke's gospel. We're going to look at Luke's account of it. Luke chapter 7, uh, Jesus says this about John the Baptist. He's speaking to a crowd. He says, what did you go out to the wilderness to see? Because John is out in the wilderness preaching. What did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothes? You see, those who are uh, splendidly dressed and live in luxury are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. And I tell you, more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. And he quotes from Malachi, Malachi 3.1. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare the way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John. But the least in the kingdom of God is greater than than he. And so Jesus says this massive thing about John the Baptist. He's a prophet. He's this messenger who was to come, right? And no one who's ever been born of women, which by the way is every single human being, right? Like no one born of women is greater than John. And Jesus is speaking to a primarily Jewish audience. And so the implications of that is no one has been greater than John. Not any of the prophets, not David, not Moses, not Abraham, like none of these massive figures in Jewish history. He's like, no one has come who is greater than John. 
And he tags this thing on the end. It says something about the kingdom of heaven. In other words, the new age is here. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is breaking in. And we are invited into something better. We're invited to live something better. And he says that, that we can actually be greater than John, which let that blow your mind for a minute. He says, no one is greater than John, but the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So the question is like, what makes John so great? Why is he so awesome? What, what caused Jesus to say this about him, that no one is greater than John? He's more than a prophet. I would argue that the thing that made John so great, the thing that gave him, him significance, the thing that like gave weight to his life is reflected in what Jesus said about him, that this is the one who, who's the messenger, prepare the way for the Lord. Like what he did in, in, in the, the, the posture of his life is what made his life so significant. So let's jump over to John's gospel and have a look at what he says. The first thing we're going to look at is in the prologue. We kind of touched on this briefly a couple of weeks ago. We kind of skipped over it because I said we were coming back to John the Baptist. But John says this, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. And so, man, remember, John, the gospel writer, has said that the light has come into the world, um, that, that the light has shone in the darkness, this light is Jesus. And now he's saying that John the Baptist, he comes as a witness. He comes to testify um, about the light. He's not the light himself. He's just here to tell people about the light. He was going to testify about it. And so then we jump back into the rest of the prologue. But then John comes back to talking about John the Baptist. And he tells us what that testimony is, right? So he says he's a witness. He came to testify about the light. And then down in verse 19, he says this. <clears throat> he says, now this was John's testimony when the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, who are you? And so the Jewish leaders sent some people out to John the Baptist to figure out who the heck is this guy? Because he's preaching in the wilderness and there's these huge crowds of people who are going out to hear what John the Baptist has to say. And so they want to figure out who he is. And they ask, who are you? And John's first response is, uh, it says he didn't deny it, but he confessed, I am not the Messiah. So John like knows right off the bat. He's like, I know who you want me to be. I know who you think you think I might be, but I'm telling you, I'm not him, right? Because like the expectation, the things that people were waiting for was like, when's the Messiah coming? When's the Messiah coming? When's the Messiah coming? And John's like, I know that's really the question behind the question. You're asking me, am I the one? Am I the one you're waiting for? Am I the one you're looking for? Am I the Messiah? So John right off the bat says, here's what you need to know. First off, full stop, I'm not the Messiah. Like I am not him. And it would have been easy for him to, to actually to fall into that trap of thinking that, yeah, you know, I am awesome. I am incredible because there are, there are huge crowds following him. He's got disciples. He's got people who think that he is the one, who think that he is the, the, the Messiah, the one that they were waiting for. Um, but John says, listen, listen, you guys, it is not me. Don't get confused. Don't, 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 don't you think for a second that your life or your faith should be built on me. You know, he's not the Messiah, and as, as we would say, he, he wasn't Jesus, right? Like, he wasn't the one they were waiting for. He's not the one, he's saying, to, to build your life on, to build your faith on. It's important for us to learn from that as well, because we can build our life and faith on a lot of things, on pastors, on churches, on celebrities, and John would give us the warning, don't do that. There is only one for you to build your life and faith around, and it's the person of Jesus. So he says, listen, I'm not the Messiah, and so the conversation continues, and they say, well, what then? <laughs> okay, if you're not the Messiah, let, let's, let's go through some different possibilities. Are you Elijah? Are you Elijah? I'm not, he said. Now, that's really interesting. 
because John says, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not Elijah. He, he's referring to, you know, those, those verses in Malachi. It says, I want to send my messenger ahead of you that, that Elijah will come before uh, the, the Lord appears. And so they're tracking along with that prophecy. They know that this messenger is supposed to come before the Messiah. And they're like, so are you this guy? And John says, I'm not. It's really interesting because, like, he actually is. <laughs> and Jesus identifies him as that. Like Jesus says, hey, John was the prophet. He, this, you know, this declaring this, this message, prepare the way for the Lord, the messenger ahead of him. Like Jesus on a couple different occasions, occasions tells his disciples that, yeah, John was uh, the one who came in the spirit of Elijah. He was uh, Elijah come into the world if people had eyes to see it. And so Jesus identifies John in this way, but John does not identify himself in this way. John sees himself as something different. So he says, are you Elijah? He's like, nope. Not Elijah. Okay, and they ask, well, are you the prophet? Uh, the prophet was, uh, the, they're talking about this prophet that's spoken of it back in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 18, where God says, I want to raise up a prophet from among your own people. I'm going to put my words into his mouth. And so you're like, well, are you that guy? And John says, no, I'm not him either. I'm not the prophet. And so who are you then, they asked. Okay, like, we're, we're tired of this, John. Like, enough of your riddles. Just tell us plainly, who are you? We need to give an answer to those um, who sent us. So what can you tell us about yourself? John said, I am a voice. I'm a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Just as Isaiah, the prophet said. And so John he chooses to, to give them, them this identity for himself, of, of who he is. He's quoting from Isaiah 40, uh, verse 3, that this, this idea that, again, before Messiah comes, that there would be a voice out in the wilderness with this message, like God's about to do something, God's about to do something, get ready, get ready, get ready, prepare, the, make straight the way for the Lord. John says, that's who I am. If you want to know who I am, if you want to know what my life's about, you want like, I am a voice, I'm a voice. I'm just a voice. There's this interesting dynamic because John, the gospel author, as we've gone through the prologue, has been talking a lot about the word. The word became flesh. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Everything's created through him. The word, the word, the word. John's like, hey, I'm just a voice. I'm not the word. Like, I'm just, I'm just a voice. Like, Jesus is the word. I'm just a voice. You see, you guys, you keep asking me, who are you, who are you, who are you, what I want you to know that who I am, it doesn't matter, because it's not about me. See, the significance isn't in the speaker, it's in the message. John's like, it's the, I'm just a voice. Hear what I'm saying, yeah, it's important, but don't be focused on me. I'm just a voice. And they had been sent from the Pharisees, and so they asked him, why then do you baptize if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? I baptize with water, John answered. Someone stands among you, but you don't know him. He's the one who's coming after me. He's the one coming after me whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to untie. He's like, listen, I'm not, I'm not the Messiah. I'm just a voice. In fact, there, there's one coming after me. In fact, he's, he's actually among us. Like, he's here it's happening. Get ready for it. It like I'm I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. Like in, in that in that culture, um, dealing with someone's feet 
washing their feet or untying their sandals was like the, was left for the most menial, like the lowest slaves on the totem pole. It was a kind of a degrading task. Uh, and John is saying, listen, I'm not the Messiah. Are you flipping kidding me? I'm not the Messiah. I'm not even worthy to take his sandals off. But he's coming and he's here. No, I'm just a voice. And so in this interaction with John and these, these uh, people that are sent by the religious leaders, he continually just deflects the attention off himself, right? He's like, I'm not the light. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the one. I'm not worthy. It's not me. I'm just a voice. I'm just a witness. I'm just a messenger, See, John's life was significant. Like, like Jesus, he's, he's the greatest ever born, right? Like there's nobody like John. He's incredible. But his life was significant because he recognized that his life wasn't about him. His life wasn't about him. That, that his life, that he was about something much bigger than himself. It was about someone much bigger than himself. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. John says, listen, I'm just a voice. I'm just a witness. My life isn't about me. It's about something bigger. It's about something greater. I'm just a witness. You see, that, that word, that word witness, it's interesting. It's actually what we're called to be. Like, if you're, if you're here, if you're, if you're watching this, if you're a part of this, and, and you're, you're like, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're just hanging out, that's awesome. That's great. We're glad you're here. You can take this. You can do this. If you want to do this, you don't have to do this. But like, if you're a Christian, that's what your life is to be. Like, that's what my life is, is, is to be. We, we are witnesses. Like, when Jesus leaves the, the planet, when he ascends into heaven, he says, you're going to be my witnesses. Like, you're going to go into the whole world, and you are going to, like, people are going to know who I am because of you, and because of your life, and because of how you live. Be a voice. Point people to the light. Point people to Jesus. Point people to hope. Point people to the kingdom. Point people to freedom. Point people to love. Point people to something better than what they see around them. Go be a witness. But there's, like, there, there's, there's, there's a caveat to that. Because there's a certain kind of life that that takes. That, that word witness, um, it's the Greek word martyros, and it's where we get the word martyr. It's where we get the word martyr. Someone who's willing to die, someone who does die for what they believe. John didn't live an easy life. Like John... John is a picture of, of what a radical pursuit of God looks like. It is untamed. It is adventurous. It is bold. It is like, I'm not holding anything back. I'm not leaving like anything. Like when I'm done with this life, I don't want to look back and say like I held anything back. Like John is just bold. He's crazy. He's adventurous. Like going back to what Jesus said about him, right? He says, like, what did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the wind? Like that's, that's this idea of like, uh, um, like someone that's just kind of wishy-washy, right? The wind just kind of blows you back and forth. He's like, no, that wasn't John. John knew what he was about. He said, well, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothes. He says, those who, who are splendidly dressed, who live in luxury, they're in royal palaces. Like, like John, he, he wasn't just about, like he wasn't just swayed back and forth. He wasn't living a life of luxury, a life of comfort. Like John was all in. He, he, was, he was like very much a wild man. He took what was called a Nazarite vow. So he, he, he lived out in the desert, this is kind of disgusting, but he ate bugs and like honey, that was his diet. 
Like, mmm, yum. Bugs and honey. He wore camel hair. Um, this Nazarite vow would meant he would have never cut his hair. He would have never cut his beard. And so crazy man wearing camel hair, living in the wilderness, like just pre- preaching this crazy message of God's about to do something. God's about to do something. God's about to do something. And these crowds of people go out to see him. And he, 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 he's calling out like public figures and officials and rulers. He's calling them out for their evil and for their injustice. And he actually ends up in jail for it. He ends up in prison for it because he's like, I'm, again, like I'm not holding anything back. And he sends his messengers to, to ask Jesus after John ends up in, in jail for this message. And while he's in, in prison, he sends his, his, some of his disciples to ask Jesus, like, okay, are you the one that we're to, to be expecting because... I'm in prison right now, and this isn't how I saw things going. And this interaction that happens between these messengers sent from John and Jesus actually happens right before what Jesus says about John, that he's the greatest to ever live, that he's a prophet. And so these messengers come, they ask Jesus, and Jesus responds to them. This is what he says. He says, go back and tell John that the blind receive their sight, that the lame walk, that those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the the dead are raised, the good news is told to the poor. Then he says, and blessed is anyone who isn't offended by me. Now, like when Jesus says this, he's actually um, quoting from Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 61, like these two different passages where it's like these beautiful things. Like when, when the kingdom of God comes breaking in, the lame will walk and the blind will see and the dead will be raised and there's good news for the, for the poor, for everyone. But what he leaves out at the end of that, if you actually read that passage in, in Isaiah 61, it also says, and the prisoners will be set free. And the prisoners will be set free. And there's this kind of conspicuous thing here at the end where, where, you know, John would have known this passage of Scripture. And he's like, oh, I know this one. I know this one, right? Good news. The Messiah is coming. The prisoners will be set free. And here I am in jail. And, and, and Jesus leaves that part out. Right? He, he, he leaves that part out. And this, this like that, that would have been really, really clear to John. He'd be like, wait, that's not how it's supposed to go. And it says, he says, blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. Now, this bothers us. Like, this bothers our, like, our safe, comfortable, kind of Western American Christianity that's just like, God, keep us safe, and God, make me happy, and God, help me to have a good life, and let me get a good job, and let my relationships always be smooth. God, I want to live happily ever after. But Jesus comes along and tells John, John, I'm not coming for you. You're going to stay in prison. John, you're, you're going to die there. John, you will die for what you believe. You will die for what you proclaim. John, not only that, if, if, John, if you could look into the future, not only are you going to die for this, but literally millions of my followers throughout history are going to die because of their faith in me. But John, you can take heart. Because all this stuff that's happening, these things that point to the kingdom of God being here and the Messiah being here, it's happening. I am the one. The, John, you, you, can, you can take heart because while you are going to die there, listen, my gospel will go forth and lives will be changed and things will be set right and hope will come and healing will come. And John, this isn't the end of your story. The new creation awaits. You see, that that idea right there, that is the power of the gospel. Like that is the power, like that is what, that, that is what your life and your witness, that is what Christianity, that is what the gospel has to offer the world right now. 
Not an easy message that, that everything will be fine, everything will be comfortable, and everything will be safe, but the message that even when it isn't, everything can be fine. Man, like, I, I kind of see people joking about this and talking about this right now, like, oh, I'm living through like seven once-in-a-lifetime experiences, you know, all in the course of two years because of how rough the last two years have been. You think about a pandemic and you think about violence and political unrest, and right now there's like, again, there's major war like breaking out in Europe, something that we've not seen for generations, and because of that, there's the potential for an energy crisis, there's a potential for an economic crisis, there's all this stuff happening and everybody's freaking out. Um, and what I want to say is, was like, hold up for a second, because first of all, understand that that is really, really normal for the course of human history. Like, that's just what humanity and human history has been for thousands of years. We're just not used to it because for about the last 80, we've been really, really comfortable in the West, where it's just like we've settled into this idea of comfort and just like this is just how things are and things are wonderful and things are great. And now we're kind of beginning to see, no, 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 it's not that way. Okay, life still sucks sometimes. Life is still hard. The world is still scary. But but, but what we see here, what we see through John, what we see through this interaction is that the message, the witness of our lives has the power to proclaim a message to people, the hope that we have, the message we have. What we witness to is the light. You see, what we proclaim to the world, what we proclaim to our kids, what we proclaim to ourselves, is not a message that you'll be safe. It's not a message that, you know, <clears throat> you're not going to die because death, death is a possibility. Like, you're going to die someday, so, and so am I. Like, it is going to happen. It is a reality. Nobody escapes it. But the message we have is, I'm a witness. I am a witness to the light. See, I testify that, that even though death is a possibility, and you might die, and I might die tomorrow, and we're going to die someday, I I'm a witness. I testify to the fact that there is someone who has defeated death, and you're invited to follow him. We don't proclaim a message that everything's going to be fine, that nothing bad will happen. We don't proclaim a message. It's like, hey, just follow God and Jesus will protect you no matter what. No, like, like we need to be honest about the world. The world is hard. The world is evil. There are monsters out there. There are bad people out there. But we are witnesses. We proclaim a message. We testify that says Jesus has defeated evil and the monsters, that the snake has been crushed, that evil has been defeated. It will not have the final Say, we don't proclaim a message that life will be easy and life will be comfy because here's the reality. You may lose everything in your life. You follow Jesus, you might lose everything. You may be left with like nothing. But my, the message is, but, but I'm a witness. You see, I, I testify that what I lose is nothing. It is nothing compared to what I've gained. That God has displayed the immeasurable riches of his grace in Christ Jesus. John came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe. You're called, I'm called to be like John, to be a witness that all might believe. And you can't be that kind of witness, I can't be that kind of witness if we're looking for safety, if we're looking for comfort. We can't be, as, as Jesus said, I can't, be, I can't just be a reed that's just swaying in the wind. I, I can't be someone that's like living, I'm a, splendidly dressed, luxury in king's palaces. Like if that's my life, my life won't matter. I'm so, I'm so over and just so tired of this kind of safe for the whole family BS version of Christianity. Whoever said it was supposed to be safe? Whoever said it was supposed to be comfortable? See, for some of you, like this is actually your, your struggle because for you, faith feels dead and it feels insignificant and it feels boring and it feels irrelevant. Like, why does any of this matter? And this is exactly why. Because you're playing it safe. 
because there's no adventure, there's no risk, there's, it's, it's just tame. In, in, in your life and in your faith, I'm, I'm telling you, you can choose to pursue safety or you can choose to pursue significance. You can choose to pursue comfort or you can choose to pursue a calling to something bigger than yourself, but you can't choose both. You can't choose both. You see, we, we've made safety and comfort and happiness and ease of life, like we have made that some of the, like those are like the highest values of society, of like, man, you just, you live an easy life, have some comfort, go on some vacations, have nice things, like just live just like that, like that is the depth, that, that is the, the epitome of human existence. And as a result, it's left us, honestly, it's left us kind of weak. Like we're not, when, when, when real life happens, because again, the, the story of human history has been pretty much one of pain and suffering, and when we're confronted with that, we have no idea what to do with it. We end up being directionless because, again, we, we, I don't know what to do with my life. There's nothing that matters. There's nothing of any weight. There's nothing of any gravity. I can choose comfort, or I can choose to pursue calling. I can't choose to pursue both. Now, you pursue calling. Comfort might happen, but it's not a guarantee. But, but if you choose comfort, if you choose to pursue comfort, calling will never happen. I love what C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity. He said, in religion, as in war, and everything else, comfort is the one thing you cannot get by looking for it. Comfort is the one thing you cannot get by looking for it. If you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. But if you look for comfort, you will get neither comfort nor truth, only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin with, and in the end, Despair. Like Lewis, he wrote that as someone who um, experienced and fought in World War I. He sat through like the, the bombings and the shellings and the night raids as he's in London of World War II. And he gives us this perspective of like, listen, you can't go looking for comfort in life because it's not going to happen. But you look for something bigger. You might find comfort along the way. You might not, but that doesn't matter. There is, there, there is something bigger. That is the point. There is something worth living for. Jesus doesn't offer a life of safety, but he does offer one of significance. You, wanna, you want your life to matter? You want to live for something bigger than just what everybody else is living for? Just like, is this it? Like, man, like, okay, I, I work most of my life so I can have some nice stuff and raise a little family and then die? Like, is that it? Like, if you want, if you want some, something bigger, something of significance, do this. Be a witness. Be a witness. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that's what you're called to. If you're a Christian, like, you are, this is the life that you are called to live. If you're not, this is what you're invited to. If you're not a Christian, man, like, no one's calling, like, no one's forcing you to do this, but you're invited to do this. You're invited to see what this kind of life is about. But again, if you're a Christian, man, this is your life. This is your calling. It's to set aside a life of safety for one of significance, to set aside a life of comfort for one of calling. 